In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. It is a very difficult thing to love. It is a very difficult thing to love. It's difficult for the obvious reasons. People hurt us. People betray us. You know this. But it's also difficult because people are just plain different from us. You know, different accents. I mean, it's the little things. It's difficult for us to love people who sound different from us, who look different from us. People have different cultural practices, religious practices, even different skin colors and body types. Yes, all of these differences, big or small, big or small, make it difficult for us to love. But here's the thing. It's not just about the other person. It's difficult for us to love because of what's inside of us. This is what Christianity teaches is the disease of sin. And this disease comes out in lots of different symptoms. It shows itself in symptoms like selfishness and resentment, hatred, cruelty, bitterness. Um, the events of this past week in Minnesota, in Dallas, in Louisiana, and before that, in our own community at Pulse, these events illustrate, I think, our difficulty to love in an absolutely staggering way. In our gospel story today, the lawyer, uh, the one who asked Jesus the question, who is my neighbor? Along with the other two religious guys, the, the guys who walked past on either side, the Jewish man lying for dead on the side of the road, these guys found it also difficult to love. And did you notice their reasons? Oh, they have good reasons, very good reasons. Let's take the lawyer first. The lawyer's reason, well, he, he wants to play um, intellectual games with Jesus. Better yet, he wants to, he's actually a, a scriptural lawyer, like a Jewish lawyer. He wants to play scripture interpretation games with the Son of God. By the way, never a good thing. So he, he sort of challenges Jesus to a scriptural duel. Oh, really? Who is my neighbor? What, did, what is the meaning of the word neighbor, he says. Luke tells us in the passage, by the way, that he's only doing this because of his unwillingness to love, to justify himself. And then later at the end of the story, this is by the by, at the end of the story, when Jesus says, okay, so what's the point? The lawyer cannot even bring himself to say who the neighbor is. He doesn't name him Samaritan because Jews and Samaritans hate each other. He just says, the one who showed mercy. He can't even speak the name of the man, Samaritan. So that's the lawyer's reason for not loving. Okay, now to the religious guys. This is always the fun part, as I stand with my religious clothing on. Did you notice their reasons? Well, the scholars have different conjectures as to why they don't love this man, what, what their reasons are for not bending down and binding up this, this guy's wounds on the side of the road, like maybe they're religious reasons. I mean, um, in the Jewish law, it, it would have made these clergy types unfit to do their Jewish duties in the temple had they touched an, an unclean a corpse. If he was dead and they, they touched him, maybe, maybe they would be unfit for their duties. I personally like to think that they were just running late for a vestry or chapter meeting. 
But each of the three has a really good reason for not loving the dying man on the side of the road. Do you know what it is for me? What keeps me from loving? It's a soft, soft center of fear. It's covered up with a crust of selfishness and then sprinkled on the top with apathy. It's a soft center of fear covered up with my own selfishness and then just sprinkled with a little bit of apathy. That's what keeps Josh from loving. Speaking candidly to you, this is, um, this is true of me out in the world, but this is also very true of me in my marriage with Mindy. God bless her soul. This is why it's hard for Josh to love Mindy well. And dare I say it, it's even true of me in this position as your priest. That is to say, my fear is that if I love you, if I make myself vulnerable to you, if I get down on my hands and knees and bind up your wounds like the Good Samaritan did, then you might take advantage of me. I don't know, you might use my kindness against me. Or, or even in my best moments, when I want to love you, I'm afraid that when I get down on my hands and knees and you're bleeding out on the side of the road, I won't know what to do or I won't know what to say. In any case, because being a, a fearful man is not very John Wayne of me, I cover up this fear with old-fashioned coldness and selfishness, and then finally the death nail with apathy and indifference. This is my story. I'm ashamed to say this is how I'm like the lawyer and very ironically like the two clergy types. But this is also what Jesus Christ came to redeem in Josh over the course of my life. May it be true. I shared this with you um, not because I'm a glutton for punishment. I shared this with you because it's really my honest response to this gospel story. Not only that, it's my honest response to the horrific events of this week as I try to think, man, what, what would I do? How do I, how do I respond to this, this hatred, this knee-jerk violence that comes out of us? But here's the thing. I share this with you also because I believe it's the question that God is asking all of us today in this gospel text. We believe that we encounter God every Sunday morning in the table and also in his word. So he shows up to us in the story of the Good Samaritan, and his question to us is, what keeps you from loving? What keeps you from loving? Okay, now pause. Second half of the sermon. Because if we stop here, this is just another legalistic preacher screaming at you. You already know you're supposed to be good Samaritans, don't you? That's not a Christian idea. Hey, kneel down beside the guy who's dying on the side of the road and help him out. I mean, what's, what's Christian about that? That's just like being a good human. Here comes the Christian gospel spin. 
Here's what makes Christianity different from all the other religions in the whole universe. Follow me. We don't ask ourselves the question, what keeps you from loving, so that we can use it as ammunition to beat ourselves up. That just turns into behaviorism. God's grace in Christianity, it gives us the freedom to ask where we fail to love, but it also, here's the point, it also then empowers us to love. Say, Josh, how in the world does it do that? It's not by beating ourselves up. It's through the resurrection power of Jesus. And here it comes. In this parable is hidden not just the message that you should be a good Samaritan, but actually how to become a good Samaritan. And the answer is, you and I become good Samaritans. We move from the clergy types and the lawyer types who just want to play games with love to the sacrificial, radical love of God kneeling down on the side of the road beside our neighbor, whoever it is, even people different from us. We do it by worshiping this man who is the great Samaritan. We become good Samaritans by worshiping in response the great Samaritan. And if you're hearing me right, then you're realizing now, suddenly you've taken the place, not as the lawyer or the good Samaritan in this parable, but suddenly you are the person lying on the side of the road with gaping wounds. That's you. That's me. Look around you this morning. Using the lens of this gospel story and a little bit of imagination, you will realize that you are seated in a hospital And though you look fine and you feel fine, you on the inside, because of, as we'll pray in a moment, the trespasses that you've committed and those committed against you, you are bleeding out from the inside. And by some crazy, mysterious miracle this morning, the great Samaritan has picked you up, put you in a car, driven you to this cathedral, a hospital for sinners. And now in a few moments, he is going to feed you medicine. This is what the great fathers called the medicine of the sacraments. Not just to heal your wounds, not just so that your wounds will become scabby and then the scab will fall off and you'll be back to normal. No, 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 no. The medicine that we receive every Sunday morning in the body and blood of Jesus, it not only heals our wounds, it starts to make us just like the great Samaritan who came to heal us. We take his essence into ourselves so that we become like him. We're seated in the hospital and the great Samaritan is crouching next to us to heal us. People of God, it's it's hard to think of a religion, any religion, I mean, just that would argue that the events of this past week are anything other than evil and that all humans should be good Samaritans. What our gospel story reminds us today, this story you've heard a hundred times, what our gospel story reminds us is that Christianity is the only religion whose God did not stay remote. But God got down on his hands and knees while we were in the ditch to love us, his enemies, We are the people who put him on a cross, just like Jews and Samaritans hated one another. We took our our great Samaritan and we put him on a cross. Christianity says that 
as we worship him, as we respond to his healing touch in obedience and worship and song and love, feeding on his very body and blood, that he starts to make us like himself. And over the course of a lifetime, we become good Samaritans. This is why the Cathedral Church of St. Luke is not, as that great quote goes, a museum for saints. We are and always will be, because of our great Samaritan, a hospital for sinners, a hospital for wounded humans, a hospital for wounded humans whom Jesus Christ is making into, in in the words of Henry Nouwen, wounded healers. Just another word for good Samaritans. Eternal God, in whom mercy is endless and the treasury of compassion inexhaustible, look kindly upon us and increase your mercy in us that in difficult moments we might not despair nor become despondent, but with great confidence submit ourselves to your holy will, which is love and mercy itself. And all of God's people said, Amen.